0: Tell me if you remember. Tell remember. No telling if you remember. Yeah. I'll never forget. I'll never forget yeah. Welcome to the hashtag Haldasin Podcast. The show focused on the strategic disruption of the status quo in technical organizations, communities, and events. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Hashtag Call the Scene podcast. Um, My guest today is Sarah Chips. Sarah, would you please introduce yourself to the audience?
1: Yes, hi, I'm Sarah Chips. I'm Director of Community at Stack Overflow.
0: What does that mean?
1: So um, that means uh, helping determine the strategy for the public Q&A side of the site, as well as making sure to highlight um, our amazing uh, contributors and listen to feedback from people that want our site to be better.
0: It's interesting. I did did not realize that that ecosystem keeps, we keep crossing paths here. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, As I always start each show with these two questions, why is it important to cause a scene and how are you causing a scene?
1: I love those questions. So I think uh, so. I think it's important to cause a scene because no one in power has ever given up uh, that power because someone asked pretty please. Throughout history, we see um, uh, those uh, those things are changed because someone caused a scene. Um, I think the type of scene that I cause now, with where I am in my career is challenging some long-held assumptions about, uh, first of all, uh, building technology, who builds technology, and what they do and what they are like. Um, And one thing that I have a privilege of doing is because I've been a developer for almost 18 years, um, I can maybe ask a lot of the questions that junior developers might be afraid to ask, um, you know, because they're uh, so worried about their jobs, I can challenge those assumptions. Um, and that is something that comes with a lot of experience that I'm grateful for.
0: All right. So we're going to just dive in and have a very frank conversation because, again, I just did not know you worked at Stack Overflow. And that's a whole different conversation for me. Um, and we're here for a different conversation. We're here um, because you were one of the founders of Girl Development, and I um, have had um, several episodes and conversations and, and about that space, and so before I start asking questions, I want to understand your role in Girl Development um, when you started it, what was the intention um and and we'll go from there
1: yeah so um the when we started girl develop it uh it started off of conversations that um myself and a fellow engineer had had around fear asking questions in male-dominated rooms so we were uh we found that we both shared the experience of asking questions in computer science classes and being afraid, being very afraid that um, we would be judged based on the content of our questions. Um, So uh, Girl Develop It was started in 2010 um, and with the mission of making a place that women could ask stupid questions or questions that they might feel were stupid uh, in a comfortable place that was for them. as with the organization from then until early 2015, um, when I stepped away to work on my own company. Um, but that is the reason why we um, started it in the first place.
0: Okay, so with um, the intention of um, the fact of addressing the fear of asking questions in male-dominated rooms, um, because as I've um, documented, that was not happening. So um, I really don't want this to come off as an attack on you personally. Um, And I recognize that you stepped away some years ago. um, And yet we need to address the fact that this was an organization you built and, um, and how systems, processes, whatever did not, in 2019 or 2018, when the story broke, did what happened? What happened? Did, um, and also, and let's be honest, when this stuff happened, the reason. Okay, so the reason this conversation is happening, everybody, is because um, months after the 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 story broke about um, um, the girl development community leadership um, at the national level and the board. Um, um there was a lot there were black women who were harmed um there was racism there was discrimination um and you're the first person who's b- been in leadership who was willing to talk but it's months later um after the harm has been done after the executive director had been al- has been allowed to walk away with no repercussions after new board members have come on after um <sighs> it, it's It's very disheartening, particularly for those those women who were harmed to see that people continue to try to protect this organization, resurrect this organization um, as if the harm that was caused to them is something they should get over. So I'm I'm wanting to have a conversation and I'm and, and I'm saying this because I want to be as transparent as I possibly can um, to find out how, an organization that had the mission or the intention of uh, removing the barriers for fear and asking questions in um, dominated, um, in male-dominated rooms. How did we get here? And I can, you can only give me your perspective, and I get that. So if you could give me that,
1: yeah, yeah. So I, um, I followed the GDI strike pretty closely um in fact i heard about it from your podcast which i was listening to and um i uh was overwhelmed um by um the bravery and the courage and the um of the women that stepped forward um to speak their truth and to talk about their experience i think that um, i think that one thing I've observed, um, and I don't know if you've seen the same, but whenever one person in an organization speaks up, there's usually five behind them that didn't speak up, right? Because they were afraid of the repercussions. So uh, I think the fact that we've seen quite a few people step up um, in the past few months has been uh, has been telling. Um, as far as what I can't speak on behalf of the organization for the past, uh, what the organization has done since 2015. What I can say though is a lesson I think that um, has come out of this, and I think that people uh, should take out of this is that when you are starting um, uh, something that you want to help, you want to have as a benefit to this community making sure that um, everyone in the room doesn't look right like you is really important Um, and I think that had that been thought of earlier um, that it's very possible that women like Shanice and Laniece and Jocelyn may I can't you know we can't predict if that would have changed things, but their experiences may have been different. Um, And so we can't go back in time, but I think there's a lot to be proud of for what these women stood up for and how they didn't back down and um, continue to demand an explanation. And I think there's a lot to be learned about making sure there is representation at the table when you are looking to help others.
0: Okay, so thank you for that. Um, And yet I'm gonna challenge you because um, this is the issue that we women of color, particularly black women, find often. It's the after effect of they're brave, they're this, they've done that, commend them, Follow black women, listen to black women, um, and yet it's been months since this happened, and you're just speaking out. And so, if it, so, if you, if you, and this is not even about this is since you've left the organization, um, and you say you you found out about this on my podcast. If this, if you felt this, and and, and this is specifically you but in general because we're sick of people coming into our DMs, talking about how sorry they are um how they wish something wouldn't have happened um, um, after the fact and I want to read you to you a, a tweet that I have pinned to my Twitter it says PSA for and it's beep bipoc which is blacks indigenous people of color for Uh, for BIPOC having white friends and I put friends in, in quotes comes at with an enormous cost in emotional labor and processing the unintended and I put that in quotes trauma you will inflict on us so understand that we're giving far more than you're than we're receiving knowing this knowing this do you intend to operate differently so Sarah it's great that you 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 had these feelings, but you took no action. You did nothing publicly to support these women, and that's where it falls short for me. Because either you prioritized your own comfort, which means you threw the women under the bus, or you didn't think it was important enough. Um, but either way, I only you only came to my attention because someone called you out and say that you blocked them and and you say you didn't. And so this is this is my challenge. <sighs> yeah, this is my challenge. And and this is, I, I would like you to address that, please.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really fair question. I think that um, I could, there's a lot of excuses that jump to mind immediately um, that I'm not going to waste your time with, I think if I could go back, that I would change that. I was concerned about taking an important narrative about women of color and making it about myself. I also trusted that the organization would do the right thing. Um, And yet here we are a few months later and um, people are still looking for answers. I think that um, I recognize what you're saying, and um, I wish that I could have gone back and at least done what I could behind the scenes to help women that were calling out, fairly calling out the organization for ignoring their concerns, um, and I didn't. Um, and I don't think there's anything I can say now that makes that okay. Um, but, uh, I am really, uh, inspired by what I've seen. Um, and, um, I don't th- yeah, I don't think there's anything I could say now um, that would change things.
0: So when you said you expected them to do the right thing. What did you what in your mind was the right thing?
1: So what I read online is that people didn't feel heard. Right. They didn't feel like the um, organization was addressing the issues they were bringing to them. They also felt like the people within the organization that were doing these things weren't being held responsible. Um, So I think uh, listening and acknowledging the feedback as well as holding people responsible for their behavior um, seems like, um, you know, armchair quarterbacking is really easy. But um, based on the feedback, that's what I've seen that, uh, people are looking
0: for okay so I know you can't speak for your co-founder um, who was Vanessa right mm-hmm. okay so this is this, I'm just gonna this is for you and for the audience I'm just gonna lay out what what I saw happen so you had an incident that happened um, in Minneapolis where um, two chapter it was three chapter leaders there were two white women and one um, black woman who um, was totally ignored and um, treated poorly by those two white women. That was called out. Um, and that's when I first heard about it. And that was like in August of 2018. And then I was on the lookout for um, further issues because I knew they were gonna be um, because this is not unique to this organization. This, this, this is what this, what this is, is white feminism. And um, this is, was not going to be unique to this organization. So I was just waiting for someone to get frustrated enough. And I knew it was going to be a black woman because we're always, we're the targets with the most to lose, but it gets to a point where we just don't give a fuck anymore. It's just like, you know what? If this ruins my career, then so be it. Cause I'm just tired because no one else is going to do anything. I've done, I've gone through the channels. I've gone through whatever. And this is what happens. So this interview came out in December. And you're right, there was a domino effect. Um, people were reaching out to me and wanting to come on the show and talk about their experiences. And so I had various roles. It wasn't just um, so Shanice came from corporate office and uh, in, in, a, in a, a more of a support role. Um, then you have Marissa, who was a director. Then you had Tomorrow, who was a community member in the um, in, in Minneapolis, where this originally happened. And I say originally happened because I know it ha- was happening other places, but that was just where white, Black women just got fed up and, and, and just spoke out. And then you had a, a conversation with two former chapter leaders who left. And one of the things that I found very interesting when... Um, about this organization, and this is I'm gonna I'm gonna attribute this to you because this was going on when you were. There are no effective um, processes in place for communication. There are no effective processes in place for paying people. There were no effective processes in place for anything running an organization at scale. Um, which was which, in turn, um, speaking to the chapter leaders that I have, they ignored. The National, um and did what they did in their communities until they had to use the National for something. So it was a, there was a huge disconnect there. So there were operational issues um there. And in that space, I, 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 having and this is where i I, I, I um, again, push back, having a more more diversity at the table when the focus is on white feminism does not help, it only harms. Um, and so, I, I, and I'm pushing back on that because what we continue to do is bring individuals from marginalized lines, the most vulnerable in our communities into these spaces and expect them to heal um, or correct the errors that are there. And it's not their responsibility to do that. And what it does is cause trauma for them. Um, there was failures on so many levels in this space. And, and I, I, and people who know me and i'm sure you do i'm i'm being very reserved right now because i'm i'm feeling very hmm, i just don't understand why you didn't say anything that that just that breaks my heart right there that you did not speak up that you had and this is and i'm saying this because this is what happens to us all the time we have these quote unquote allies. We have these people who say they care about us and they want to work towards a better community. Had the same conversation this weekend with some white dudes in tech who are, you know, just just wanted to moan on Twitter about the fact that they no longer feel safe and sane and doing the things that they've normally done. And so they're not gonna do anything. <sighs> When whiteness enters a room of marginalized people, it causes harm because it centers whiteness. And I can't solve this problem. White people have to solve this problem. But if you're not even willing to speak up when you are hearing the stories of people who are telling you that they're being harmed and you believe them, it's not like you, that you believe this is fantasy and you still won't take action. I don't. I don't know. It, it's frustrating. It's frustrating for me because for us, it's not. We don't have a choice, and that's that's the privilege. When you get a choice to to you have access to things, and you get a choice whether you're gonna um, engage or not. And that's what I was I mentioned today in a tweet. It was like asking individuals. These individuals claim they want to be allies. It's like asking, inviting them to a party, but they get, if they don't like the theme of the party then they decide they don't want to go. I, and so I just really want you to, I just, I really, can't, I need you to talk to me about why you chose the trust of these individuals over the safety and standing up and allying with these women.
1: Yeah, Kim, I hear you. Um, and um, if at the time I saw a clear path of Sarah, if you step in here and you make sure that this uh, story and this is being heard and these things are getting the credibility that they need, it th- this will influence the organization. Um, I don't, since I've not been involved for so long, I don't believe, that hearing from me would have made a difference Um, if I saw at the time this is a clear path to making sure these things get heard or this is a clear path to amplify Shanice's message and make sure that these things are being looked at um, then I think I would have said something. Did you ask? Did I ask um, members? Did I ask, did I reach out to Shanice directly and ask her? I did not. And you know what? You make an excellent point. I definitely could have. Um, I definitely could have done that.
0: And that, that goes to the, you say, there was no clear path. There is never a clear path. This is like, this, we're trying, we're making this all up. We're all making this up. This, is the, this industry is based on misogyny, patriarchy, all these things, whiteness, white supremacy, racism, discrimination. And we're, we're all fumbling through the dark trying to figure this out. And yet whiteness continues to use, I did not have a clear, I under, I, as an excuse. So uh, exactly, so if you did not reach out How do you know that there was not something that you could have done?
1: You make an excellent point. If I had uh, reached out to Shanice, she may have had some things that I could have done to help her and I didn't.
0: Everyone in the Hashtag Call to Scene community shares the same common beliefs based on a set of four specific guiding principles. One, tech is not neutral, nor is it apolitical. Two, intention without strategy is chaos. Three, Lack of inclusion is a risk and increasingly a crisis management issue. And lastly, but most importantly, four, we must prioritize the most vulnerable. To find out more about the guiding principles and adding them to your Twitter profile banner, please visit hashtag causeascene.com.
1: You make an excellent point. If I had uh, reached out to Shanice, she may have had some things that I could have done to help her, and I didn't. Thank you for that. And, and, um...
0: I guess my 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 next thing for you is, what have you learned? I
1: think that um, when I listened to your podcast the first time, I found myself in my living room, and my immediate reaction was, "Oh, but when she's talking about white feminists, that's not me." You know, I don't act that way. I'm not that's not I'm I'm one of the good ones. Um and I immediately after finishing that thought was had to I was I was realizing that I was saying not all white women. Um and that my reaction was you know not all white women and how many times I've in public called out men for doing the same thing. Um and I think that um one thing I've learned from this is that white feminism can't represent women and it doesn't um and um it is foolish to think that you know intersectionalism doesn't mean erasure, it doesn't mean pretending that people can speak for others um, because they care and that's not enough. Um, I think that, um, I think I learned that it's not okay to say, that you're here for everyone and that have that be enough and that that's never enough um and that we're all a makeup of our own experiences and when you haven't lived through the experience of being um A woman of color in tech, you can't pretend to have the best interests of women of color at heart. And that hearing, I think, the um, whole experience of what these women experienced, it's heartbreaking to know that if it weren't for something that I was involved in that may not have happened. Um, So I think, This has raised for me a lot of questions of um, how best to have these conversations, how to make sure I'm never speaking or acting on behalf of someone and pretending I have their best interests in mind when I am not, when it's not a partnership. Um, those are just some of the things that I walked, I've learned over the past few months and continue to learn, um, being a part of this larger tech community. Um, thank you for that. Um, so,
0: okay. So you have, you have these learnings. You've had these experiences. What strategies are do you have, or have you implemented since then? Because now you're at a platform that I've had a lot of issues with when it comes to um, exclusion and harm, and you're in the space that where that happens in the community. Um, and so, I want just to, to know. Because it's great. This is how people. First of all, I want to talk about the fact that the reason that white feminism is so dangerous is because it requires um, it, it it requires um, women to um, focus on the sameness, the things we have in common, and and the things we have in common are being women. Well, if you're a white woman, because your default whiteness is the default. That's the only challenge you are facing. So you spend all your time fighting patriarchy. Whereas when you are a woman with a disability, a woman with um, LGBTQ particular person of color and in the United States, a black woman, there's so many other intersectional points that we need to, that we and fronts that we need to work on simultaneously um and we don't care about your pussy pink pussy hats we don't care about um your let's have a sex strike those things are not important to us what's important i say this all the time um where for you gender is your biggest issue race is my biggest issue um and so that's why white feminism or does not appeal to me in any manner because it totally erases the thing that brings me the most harm. It totally says to ask, ask me and often demands that I put that aside in order to fight with other women who, because whiteness is the default, that's the only thing they have the energy to fight for.
1: So, yeah, the question I heard from you is how are you changing your strategies based on this? Um, and I think that's a really important one. I can't, I can't say that I, I'm, first of all, uh, I'm still learning and will always be learning. But one thing I think that I have especially learned or especially changed my strategy about as part of the learnings um, over the past six months is that I no longer can be the decision maker when it comes to uh, people that have experience, like when it comes to groups that have experiences unlike my own. I think you're, I I really appreciate what you said about white feminism causing um, us to identify what we have in common and erase what we don't. If I could use an example um, from something uh, over the past few weeks. um, uh, uh, So one thing that happened recently in the community at Stack Overflow is um, one of our moderators was misgendering another moderator. And, um, we do have a code of conduct, but in our code of conduct, we don't have a clear message about not misgendering other, uh, people in the community. Um, you know, if you know someone's preferred pronoun, you should be using it. And, uh, I think that one thing in the past, you know, maybe a few years ago, what I might've done has would be to say, okay, you know, this is the change we're gonna make for that. And this is how we're gonna help reach that community because that community is very important. Um, I think that the most important thing is to make sure that members of that community are being spoken to and are being um, talked to about the decision-making process from the beginning and are part of the conversation. Um, And so that is when I know it's above my pay grade and we need to incorporate people from that community. So we reached out to uh, people in the LGBTQ community that are part of affinity groups um, and the conversation that we're having around How do we approach this in our community in a way that is making sure your needs are served and not in a way that we think is the nice way to do it um, is, I think, one of the things that I've taken away from this. It is, uh, you're right, white feminism doesn't speak for other groups and the patriarchy um, is something that is part of a discussion, but it's not the only thing. So um, the thing that I keep coming back to is to not speak for or to make decisions or pretend that I represent anyone that has a different experience or different affinity than I do.
0: I don't say much positive about Stack Overflow, but I'll say that's an improvement and a a much needed and appreciated improvement. and that's what happens when you prioritize the needs of the most vulnerable, um, because they will tell you what they need to keep them safe and to make them feel welcome. And this is where um, a lot of individuals in our community make mistakes, um, just because you have a friend or, or you know you're married to someone that does not make you a part of that group, and um, does that does not make you. Um, because I tell people all the time, I don't even speak on speak for Black women. I speak on behalf of Black women, because our our even within our affinity group, there's so many differences. And so I tell a I can only tell the story from a from a Black woman who was raised in the South. Um, that's the story I know, and I can only you know give give testimony to my lived experience. And I would never say that um, even conversations I'm trying to have now with, the, um, with having now that we've m- m- invited m- many marginalized groups into the spaces, how do we manage those spaces so that we feel safe? And, um, and what I'm finding even in those spaces, when whiteness comes into the room, the, their, their marginalization is, is um, harmed. Um, I'm seeing it with um, white passing Jews um, and and it's harming black and brown Jews. I'm seeing it with white um, trans women um, and it's harming black and brown trans women. Um, and these are the conversations we need to have. They're uncomfortable as hell. Um, and yet... Again, we're all making this up, and if we are going reaching out to the people who will be impacted by our decisions, and this is where Twitter and Facebook and social media um, platforms have failed because they're leaning on this fallacy of free freedom of speech and all this other stuff. When people who are being harmed are telling you they're being harmed and telling you spe- in specific ways that they're being harmed, and to ignore that or to balance that or try to try to play the equal game with free speech is not they're they're not equivalent um and and i'm happy to hear that um that's because that's a major lesson that you've learned and taking it to that platform because um as we as you know currently that platform is predominantly white men and many people do not use uh, use that platform only to copy and paste or get peruse an answer and get off they don't in in act they don't interact um they don't feel safe in answer they don't feel safe in asking questions and which goes back to your original um intention for girl develop it Um, they don't feel safe to ask questions and so the narrative gets you know, uh, promoted that, well, they're just not interested, or this is, no, and it's not that, and that's the the default we need to challenge. Just because they're not there, that doesn't mean that they don't want to be there. The question needs to be, why aren't they there? Because they're in the community, so we need to ask in all of these spaces, why aren't these individuals here?
1: And I, yeah, I, yeah, I think that's, you're right, and I know that Um, I know that it's not your intention or um, your job to educate white women in tech, um, but I think that you've changed a lot of lives by the conversations that you're having. Um, I think it's really important. Uh,
0: Thank you. It's frustrating. (laughs) It's hell. Um, (laughs) It's it's draining. Um, I had to actually change my, recently changed my whole strategy um, after a trip to Berlin um, just because... I recognize that I can no longer, as a person from a marginalized group, continue to educate uh, a privileged individuals on racism and white supremacy. It's just too t- triggering for me. It's just too traumatic because as I said in my pen tweet, for me, for, for whiteness, and I've seen this with people I know care about white. I have, I have a handful, literally, four white people that I trust implicitly just with my life and even they fuck up and in their fucking up um I have to be harmed for them to get the lesson because again as you said you don't have that lived experience you don't know those things that um that um trigger or um that I am always looking out for, that I'm always observing my my surroundings, that I'm you you don't have that experience, and so when something happens, I tell I tell my friends I'm like in the future when something happens, I need you to because I had this this look on my face was just in absolute horror. I need you when there's an ex- 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 situation going on. You need to see that face. If you think that my face would look like that and around anybody, then you need to take action because what happens is, and it, this is this seems funny when you think about it, but it's, it's survival. And like I was saying, just like the black community, if we're out somewhere and one black person starts running, we all start running. We will ask why the hell we're running when we stop running. White people, on the other hand, do it differently. You want to debate, Figure out what's going on, get all the details, get all the data before you move. That is harmful for us. And that's why one of the reasons, and that's why I said it's funny, because when we go to see like horror movies, we already know you're going to get killed because you're going to be looking back and tripping up and all this crazy stuff. And we're just like gone. It's like, nope, not going in the house. That shit's making noise. Not going in there. I'm not that curious. Um, so we have very different experiences. But, the, but to, not to even make light of it, though. But when we move together, it's, it's, it's out of safety. And so we don't have the, the luxury of sitting around and saying, hey, guys, why are we, we're, why, why are we running? Uh, what's going on here? I'll deal with that when I get to the other side. And this is where I need white people who want to do better in this space is to trust us. You have to trust. The, the people who, who are actively being affected by things that they know what they're talking about. You see this all the time on Twitter. Do you have examples? that I don't need to give you, just trust. This is my lived experience. I don't have to prove that to you. And there's also, again, with the, the whiteness is the default. There's this assumption that we're having the same experience. So when I tell you something different, you start challenging it because you've never had that experience. And we have to start doing that. And so I really am, um, this is the second time I've said something nice about Stack Overflow. I really am happy <laughs> that you are going to those people who have been, because it could have been, it would have been easy to throw a, a, throw a sentence in the Code of Conduct about how you're going to do this. It would have been the easier thing to do. But being informed by those who will be negatively impacted by it is very wise i'm going to give you an example i, I don't know if you know emily gorzinski um, but she um she's a transgender woman but she lived in Charl- charlottesville at the time of the, the um i don't even do, do we call it a riot i don't know what the hell it was um and she talks to white people about this she was she was saying that there were white protesters there who were yelling back at the nazis and the kkk They, in turn, were not abusing or accosting the white individuals. They were turning that anger on brown and black people. And this is where people need to understand. When you antagonize, when you um, say something and don't stand by and wait to make sure these individuals are safe, you're making them targets. Because they don't see us as equal to you. So, although you may be aggravating them and pissing them off, um, if there's another target there that they see um, as more vulnerable or less than, that's where they're going to attack. And these are the things we need to be talking about because to come to me in my DMs later and say, I'm sorry that happened to you after the fact, does nothing for me. When someone If you see someone attacking me on Twitter or whatever, I need immediately engagement. I need immediate engagement.
1: So what I'm hearing from you, and just to uh, repeat this out loud, um, is that uh, the, I don't want to talk about this like I'm just learning this because I'm not, but I just think what you're saying is so important um, is that the best, um, way to help, um, is to ask instead of jumping in.
0: And I'm going to ask you, and because you, you said it's so important, but don't you think that makes sense?
1: Mm, No, I do. I, uh, I do think it makes sense.
0: I mean, just how you said that, that's just, if you have If you want, if you're going on a date and you want to impress someone, hey, what do you want to eat? Um, Or if you are shopping for somebody, what do you want? Um, uh, We do this all day long. We ask those people we care about, what can we do to ensure that they are comfortable, they feel safe and welcome? So when we're inviting Um, marginalized communities and vulnerable individuals into our community, it's no longer about assimilation. It's about accommodation. It is asking them, it's saying, welcome to this space. What can we do to ensure that you're safe? And if that requires you as the privileged individual to shift and become uncomfortable, that's what you do. And that's what I used to call a power ally. It is someone who's willing to make themselves uncomfortable so that I'm comfortable. I recognize that as a black woman, trans, as a cis, hetero black woman. I have way more privilege than trans women, black women, so I'm going to make sure, as as little privilege as I have, if we're in an environment where they feel unsafe, I'm going to protect them. I'm not going to throw my hands up and say, "Well, this was just, you know, I, I yes, I trust me, I feel unsafe as well, but I know that." When it, since they are being targeted by um, black men uh, and misogyny, that I don't get the same target, I'm going to make sure that they're they're protected. I'm getting them out of there. I'm, I'm I see them across the room. They look uncomfortable. I'm doing whatever I need to. That I don't want to put myself in danger, and yet I'm going to do something if it's nothing more than. Pretend that we're best friends and getting them out of there. Hey, glad I met saw you. Let's go to the next party. But to sit around wringing your hands and saying I don't know what to do is no longer acceptable. Because none of us know what to do.
1: That makes sense. I think uh, the first thing I thought of was if it's a if it's a family member, we're reaching out to them and saying, "How can I help?" Exactly.
0: And it and, and that's. And that's how we have to start seeing our community. That's what community is. Communities are best when everybody's healthy. We can do more together than we can do by ourselves. But that doesn't happen when the most vulnerable are continually harmed in the decisions that we make or the decisions we don't make or the actions we don't take. And so that's what was my frustration this weekend with these white dudes in tech whining about their fucking feelings. I'm like, dude, that's all, is that what you're telling me about your feelings? Your feelings. Is that, it, it, this is the conversation we're about to have. It's about your f- feelings. When I know there's somebody in your organization, somebody at that conference you're attending, somebody in your immediate vicinity that's feeling unsafe. Again, we need to stop trying to make equivalents they're not the same. So in the last moments that we have together, what would you like to say? First of all, what would you like to say to those black women from GDI that you've never spoken to? I mean, that you haven't, I want this to be public. And then what would you like to close with?
1: So um, last week I reached out to Shanice, And her and I had a conversation and I found myself getting defensive and coming up with excuses. Um, But I think the important thing that I'd like to communicate is exactly what I said to her first before coming here. And that is, I'm sorry for not asking I could have helped, how I could have helped or what I could do to help make sure your message was heard. Um, I think that it is fair to say, you know, I make jokes with my friends about thought leaders and technology. Um, But when that really matters is when there's someone in the community that's hurting and there was someone in the community that was hurting. Um, and I didn't do anything I did nothing and um, while um, I can't um, I can't change that now but I think it's important um, well I'm happy to have the privilege to say I'm sorry and I should have reached out then Um, as far as what I want to close on, um, I think nothing, I think I just hope you keep doing, but what I want to close on is just please keep doing this podcast, um, and letting people know, uh, um, and sharing your story. Um, like I said, it's not your job to educate me or is it, um, or is it, uh, does it necessarily need to be um, part of what you do? But like you said, these conversations can be hard. And so having these conversations in public is, um, I have found to be really uh, personally educational um, and look forward to continuing to listen. And
0: one more question
1: What would you have, what would you say to,
0: um, because some some of the old chapter leaders from GDI are very interested in this conversation, um, white women, and what would you what what do you want to say to them?
1: I think I would want to say that I am really sorry that something that there was only the intention to help with girl development and. Um, you know, lots of great intentioned apologies start out that way, right? You know, I just wanted to help, but here's how I really fucked up. Um, and so I don't want to diminish the fact that um, lots of great people did really amazing work teaching others. Um, but it is heartbreaking to know that something like Girl Develop It would end up becoming so painful um, for lots of people. And I think if I am speaking specifically to the um, white chapter leaders, I would say that there's just a lot to learn from what happened. And I know that no one will stop you know, teaching. Without Girl Develop It, new people still learn how to code. And the people that have that passion will always have that passion. And I think from experiences like this, we can learn. Um, and as we move forward um, and the new spaces that are created because of this, uh, be thoughtful about how we are, who we are speaking for and how we are incorporating the people that we can't speak for. Thank
0: you so much, Sarah, and have a good day. Thank you, Kim. All right. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Hashtag Call to Sing podcast. And I'd like to thank all our current sponsors of the podcast and the hashtag Call the Scene movement. Of course, we strongly encourage everyone to become an individual sponsor of the hashtag Call the Scene community. Just visit the website at hashtagcallthecene.com to sign up today. On behalf of everyone here at hashtag Call the Scene, we'd like to thank you again for listening to today's show and have a wonderful day.